Go ahead and pull out your message notes. I'm ready this morning to dive right in to week number one of this four-part series. Uh, Throughout the series, we're going to dispel some myths about relationships. We're going to correct some wrong thinking, some misinformation that has led many people down the wrong path. Uh, We're going to build relationships God's way. Uh, We're going to learn from his perspective what he has to say. We're going to go into the Bible and let it be our guide uh, as we find, keep, and cultivate love in our lives. And as we start this morning, I want to dive right in. I want to lay the foundation really for the whole series. And the first thing that you got to know is that God had a plan for relationships since the very beginning. I mean, relationships didn't catch God off guard. He's not surprised by the, the, the relationships that we have in our lives, that the, the different challenges and the frustrations. Uh, he designed us to have relationships. And creation, uh, when he created it, uh, was really intended uh, to display God's power. Uh, creation was intended to display God's glory and his splendor and the majesty of who he is. But when God created you and I, Uh, It wasn't just to put us on display. It wasn't just so that he could admire us or to serve some utilitarian purpose. When God created us, he created us for the express purpose of relationship. He wanted to be in relationship with us. And he wanted to have a life-giving relationship with us. And, and, And so he created us for what we understand as relationships. Look in Genesis Chapter 2-7, I love this passage. It says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, when he created everything else, I love it because he spoke it into existence. But when he created us, he stooped down and he scooped up some dust and he actually put his hands on us. And I love the picture of this because when God made us, he got his hands dirty. I love that. You see, sometimes we think God's afraid to get his hands dirty, but I need you to know God's not afraid to get his hands dirty in your life. He's not afraid of where you've been. He's not afraid of the problems you have. He's not afraid of your past, your struggles, your challenges, or your addictions. God will get his hands dirty right in the middle of your mess. He's not scared at all. Why? Because God loves us and cares for us. And in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. We know that. He created man. He created woman. Some people would say, whoa, man. So he created man, and then he thought, look, I can do that a little bit better. So he created woman, right? All the ladies. And then there was the introduction of woman, and with woman, things began to get a little complicated. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just a little complicated. How many remember the days when things were not complicated? When you were a kid and all you had to do was go outside and play with all your friends? Uh, You remember the days, guys, where you just got your bikes and you just rode them up and down the street, jumping the curbs, popping wheelies? Ladies, you had your little doll houses. You just dressed up your little dolls and, you know, you didn't have any guys and girls. There was no social media. It didn't matter who liked you or didn't like you. I mean, it was just a time when things were a little more simple. And I remember even back then, relationships tended to be simple. Remember those, those, those uh, questions we would ask someone like, hey, do you like me? Check yes or no. Yeah. I found this in one of my boxes. Come on, somebody. 
How many ever wrote a, how many ever wrote a note like that? One of those days, the simple days, like, and, and then if they, if they ever answered no, it's like, well, that's cool because I didn't like you either. I was just making sure we were just friends, right? And then what's the maybe? Like, maybe, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm seven and a maybe. Like, what's, it's, it's, uh, it was simple. It was simple. And remember back then, guys, you actually had to have a pickup line to get a girl's phone number. You know what I'm talking about? Say, hey, was your dad a boxer? No. Why? Because you're a knockout. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? Are you religious? No. Why? Because you're the answer to all my prayers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the simple days, right? Hey, would you grab my arm? Why? Because I want my friends to see I've been touched by an angel. <laughs> Come on, some of you write notes. Look, the guys are writing notes. I got more. Are you a parking ticket? No, why? Because you sure are fine. It's written all over you. Now, I thought it was interesting getting these pickup lines. In fact, uh, George did an interview last week with some of you on some of your pickup lines. How many like to see some of the pickup lines people use? Here, check this out. What was the pickup line that you used to, to, to get your wife to go on a date with you? My pickup line was... Are you tired of dancing? Because you've been running through my mind all day long. <laughs> Tell us your best pickup line. Oh no, this is a hard one. I got so many of them. Uh, uh. So I walk up to them and I say, hey, I've been reading the book of numbers lately and I realized I didn't have yours. Uh, I don't know, uh, did it hurt? Where you fell from heaven? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, I gotta come back. My best pickup line: Hurry up and write down your name before I don't want it no more. <laughs> Stand right. Give us your best pickup line. Come. Uh, you know what the shirt's made out of? What? Boyfriend material. <laughs> Do you remember the pickup line you used to ask your wife out on the first date? Yeah. Uh, I told her, hey girl, are you a Snickers? Because seeing you is satisfying me. He said that he told you, are you a Snickers? Because seeing you is satisfying me. Is that what he said? He said, hey. He said, hey. And I was like, do I know you? <laughs> Tell us the pickup line you used to get your, to get your wife to go out with you the first time. Hey. <laughs> do you remember the pickup line you used? Do I remember the pickup line? No? What did I use? <laughs> what did I say? I don't remember. Okay, he's back. He's back. Are you tired? Because you've been running through my mind all day. We, we already got that from Pastor Chris. Pastor Chris already gave that to us. Can I tie your shoes so you don't end up falling for somebody else? What would be the ideal pickup line, the best pickup line that you would want a guy to give to you? I think just ask me out. Like don't like don't be funny about it. Like be real. <laughs> Come on, don't be fake, just be real. That's right. And all the single ladies said, yeah. Relationships can make life complicated. Uh, but how many know that uh, relationships were never intended to be complicated? Uh, God didn't design relationships to be complicated. They just gotta be in the right order. Uh, God's supposed to be our first true love. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. 
Love it says, we love each other because he first loved us. That my love for you flows from my love from God. We see the sequence of events really when we study uh, the first relationship, Adam and Eve, at the very beginning. God was first, and then he created Adam. And uh, when he created Adam, we see that Adam walked with God every single day. And Adam had a relationship with God. And then out of that relationship flowed his relationship with Eve. And if you don't get the first one right, I need you to know that no other relationship that you have will work correctly either. you got to understand that no man or woman was ever designed to meet the needs that you have in your life for strength and joy and hope and happiness and fulfillment. All of that is only met through the relationship with God. So look, if your relationship with God's not right, don't even worry about dating or trying to get married. you got to get that relationship right for the priority of relationships to work. I mean, think about this. Adam was in the presence of God. He yielded to the will of God, and then he did the work of God. Think about it. He was in the presence of God. He yielded to the will of God, and then he did the work of God. And then when all of that happened, then God said, look, it's not good for man to be alone. So there was a proper order to the relationships that God established in his life. If he wasn't doing the other things first, God wouldn't have added the relationship on top of it. It's got to be in the right priority. God had to get his relationship with God first, and then Eve would come along. And think about this. Then Eve was there to compliment Adam in his life. She was never intended to be a substitute relationship. She was intended to be a complementary relationship, someone that would compliment, someone that would help, someone that would bring strength and stability, but not replace the relationship with God. She was supposed to be a helpmate. However, the challenge is this, whether Christian or non-Christian, most people substitute their relationship with God and interchange a person in God's place. And now what they try to do is get happiness and fulfillment and peace and love and joy and all the things that we're intended to get from God from others, and we are terribly let down. And really what we see is it's a form of idolatry. We replace God with a person. And marriage can't give you the things that only God himself was established to give you. And maybe the reason you don't have true love is because you never found your first love. You're looking for true love. God bring true love, but you got to find first love before you can get true love. Revelation chapter 2 verse 4, the church of Ephesus. But I have this against you that you abandoned the love that you had at first. The first love. And the reason Adam and Eve, they had problems later on as we read in Scripture is because Adam and Eve, uh, they, they got their relationship with God out of order. Adam began to put Eve in front of what God said. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it. She also gave it to her husband with her and he ate it. Now the problem when you go back and study this is that God said you could eat from any tree in the garden, but don't eat from this tree. So his word was specific. He gave clear instructions And what we see is that they allowed another voice to come into their life. And instead of following God's instruction and God's voice, they now follow the voice of the serpent, which was Satan. And so they allowed another voice into the relationship. And anytime we allow another voice into our relationship besides the voice of God, we begin to allow confusion into 
our relationship. Why? Because we get disconnected from what God said. We now no longer are listening to the God of the universe, the authority of relationships, the one that has established us, set us up, and loves and wants to protect us. Now we've allowed another voice to come in and to disconnect us from the voice of God. I mean, think about this. Have you ever been on the phone and you get disconnected from the conversation that you were talking in and all of a sudden you, you were listening to them, but the call gets dropped? Anybody ever had that happen? And it's right when something important was about to be said. Hey, go and do. Hey, hey, wait, wait, you, you go. And they're just talking and they have no idea. You're no longer listening. And, and now you don't know what you're supposed to do. The call got dropped. A lot of us, our call with God gets dropped. We no longer are listening to God in our life. He's talking, but somehow we've disconnected because we've allowed another voice in our life, which is not the voice of God. And confusion begins to set into our life. We begin to allow the enemy to cause us to be deceived. We begin to ask questions. Maybe you're married. You say, well, I don't know if I married the right person. Let me tell you this. If you signed your name on that marriage contract, which is what it is, a covenant, a contract, you married the right person. Come on, somebody. It's not about a feeling. It's about a choice. So that question of if I married the right person is not really a question I should be questioning myself. What, what about this? How did we get here? And I don't know if I love them, and I don't know if they love me. What's happened is we've allowed another voice to come in and begin to deceive us and disconnect us from what God has said. We've got to reconnect to God's voice. We've got to hold on to God's word and protect the relationship that he has allowed us to be in. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says we must listen very carefully to the truth that we've heard or we may drift away from them. Think about drifting away. Phyllis and I last week, uh, we were on the vacation of a lifetime. One morning we spent the morning in Greece. Uh, we thought Croatia had some of the prettiest beaches, but we didn't realize how beautiful. Anybody ever been to Greece? We just landed on this beach in Greece and we didn't want to leave. We were going to let the, the, the cruise ship take off. We were going to stay there for the rest of the trip. And absolutely gorgeous, but it was amazing. We all went out into the surf and the water, and our backs were to the beach. And we're just talking, having a good time, laughing, telling stories. And about 20 minutes later, we turn around to go back to the beach where our chairs were. And when we turned around, we realized we had drifted about 20 feet from where we were supposed to be. We didn't do anything. We're just out in the surf, drifting, not even realizing how far away we had gotten from where we were supposed to be. Some of you have been drifting from the Word of God, didn't even realize it. You're in your marriage, you're in your relationship, you're in your singleness, and you've not been paying attention, and God's given you a word, and you've allowed the enemy to cause you to drift away from where God has called you to be. And listen, single people, married people too, before the enemy gets you in the bed, he's first got to get in your head. It ain't just going to happen overnight. And so we allow the enemy to get into our head and cause us to drift from the morals that God has set us up to live by. We've got to learn to guard our mind. We've got to learn to guard our heart. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior, the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. By what? By changing the way you think. Everybody say think. I gotta guard my mind. I gotta guard what I think about. I gotta guard what I dwell on. I gotta guard what comes into my mind. Every thought you think is not a thought you ought to think. 
Sometimes you got to recognize, what am I thinking? No, I shouldn't be thinking about that. I've got to change the way I think. And it says, then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Or this version says, for everything you do flows from it. What do you mean? That means your heart, the condition of your heart, that everything you do, the fruit of your life, the the words you speak, the actions you take, it all flows from your heart. So we've got to learn to guard our hearts. And part of that is putting up, uh, making sure that we're guarding bad information. Everybody say bad information. How many think we got some bad information? The world is full of bad information. Society's got a lot of bad information. Culture gives us a lot of bad information. I mean, we're taught that love is a feeling and an emotion. You know, if I feel it, then I'm in love. How many know love is not a feeling? It's nice to feel in love, but any married people woke up not felt in love? Anybody willing to admit it? Come on, somebody. Look, I got one brave person. God bless you. A double blessing. Come on, Jesus. Yeah. It all, I mean, and the challenge with this bad information is it starts when we're kids. Uh, it starts growing up watching Disney. Any, anybody watch Disney back then? Anybody watch Disney right now? I, I mean, you know, Aladdin, a whole new world, a dazzling place I never, right? <laughs> right? I mean, we listen to those songs, and it's like, oh, my God, a whole new world. Like, like, you, like really, it's a whole brand new world. But, but when I'm way up here, it's crystal clear because now I'm up here with you. No, no, it ain't crystal clear, and it ain't a whole new world. You're the same messed up person right now that you were when I met you five minutes ago. Love didn't change that. It just put on a goggle that I'm no longer seeing clearly. Like you're still same messed up person. I'm still this. But we have this whole thought process that all I got to do is find the right person. All I got to do is, is find the one. And then maybe I can live happily ever after. Listen, there is no right person. That's a myth. There is no happily ever after. There is a good, healthy, strong marriage that requires work, effort, tenacity, Commitments, yeah, commitments, like commitments, like commitment. Why? Because it's hard. Why? Because there's going to be days I wake up and I don't want to be married, but that's what commitment does. It keeps me attached to this person that I love, even though I don't feel like I love them right now. It ain't a whole new world. It's just a lie. It's a fairy tale. It's a myth. And, and, And there is no shortcut to a godly relationship. There is no fast food relationship. There's no microwave relationship. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of grit, and it's going to take a lot of commitment. And look, over the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about some of these things on how to find, keep, and cultivate love that lasts a lifetime. How many want to have love that lasts a lifetime? I don't know about you. I don't have a perfect marriage, but I got a healthy marriage. Uh, and we're going to last a lifetime. I want to finish till the end. I, don't, I, I, I couldn't even imagine dating now. And I know some of you, you, you divorce and you're dating stuff. Man, I, I pray for you often. I mean, it's, how many know it is a different world out there? And what I want to do is whether you are married or whether you're divorced and looking or whether you're single and looking, there are things that we can put in place in our life that God's word speaks to us to make sure that the person we marry or the person we're married to, we can stay that way happily and committed for the rest of our lives. 
Okay, here we go. The first thing, if you're dating, maybe you're single, maybe you're looking to date, I want to give you four things. The first one is you got to set a standard. Got to set a standard. If you were to ask someone who's single what kind of person they'd like to marry, most people right now couldn't even articulate it. Hey, what kind of person would you like to marry? They, they, they hadn't given much thought. They say, well, the person I fall in love with. Well, who's that? The person that makes me feel good. The, here's what I hear often. The one I have chemistry with. You're going to have chemistry with someone that doesn't even speak your language. Come on, somebody. I mean, chemistry ain't anything special. That's a physical attribute, and it doesn't guarantee that you're going to have love that lasts a lifetime. You've got to make sure that you've got standards. And what I find that's so interesting is that when it comes to other things in life, I mean, we have standards. If you're going to buy a house, I bet you got a standard. I bet if I were to ask you what kind of house you want, you want a four-bedroom house with an office with some crown molding and trim. I want granite countertops. I want a three-car garage because I need another garage to keep all my junk because my house isn't big enough, and I want to store it in that third-car garage. And I want a big backyard. Why? Because I like to mow, and I want a pool, right? And I want a hot tub. And I mean, you got all these different things that you can list out for the house. What is that? That's what you would call a standard. I want gray paint. I want brown paint. I mean, I don't know what it is, but you've got a standard. What about buying a car? Anybody go buy a car? I mean, when you're buying a car, most people have a standard. Now, there is a time when it's like whatever I can afford. Come on. But you don't want to live there. Come on. There ought to be a day where you go buy what you want, not what you can afford and what you need. It's like I want to go buy something because I like it. So think about this. It's a 2015 or 2016 or newer. I want something that's white. I want an SUV. I want something with leather because cloth gets hot in Texas. I want a sunroof. I want nice chrome wheels or premium wheels. And I want a Bose system. Come on, somebody. You got to have a nice system if you're going to have a nice. So you got a standard for the car that you want to buy. But let me flip it to you now. What's the standard for the person that you want to date? And it can't be they're breathing and they got a pulse. Somebody's like, Pastor, that'll do. That's it. No, no. What's the standard for the person that you want to date in your life? If you don't have a standard, you're going to fall for anything. And then you're going to wake up and you're going to go, how did I get into this? It's because you didn't have a standard for what you were looking for. So what are some things you ought to look for in a spouse? The first one is they, they need to be a Christian. I mean, that's, that's pretty important. That should be the foundation of the relationship. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? So I, I'm, I'm looking for someone that's a Christian. Uh, I want someone to have godly character and morals. How many know uh, they don't always go the same? Someone can say they're a Christian, but they don't have the character or the morals to keep it. Come on. They go to church. Listen, I, I love every person in our church, but just because they go to church doesn't mean that's the right person for you to date. So do they have morals? Do they have a standard? Do they have godly character? Uh, I, I love 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 33. says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So, so I need them to have good character. Why? Because we're heading somewhere. Here, here's another thing. Do they have an education? Do they have a college degree? Do they have a J-O-B? Come on, somebody. Oh, pastor, they're just searching. How long they've been searching? Well, about 12 months. It's a little hard out there. No, baby. No, no, no. They need to have a career. They need, they need to love their family, right? I mean, ask, if, if you're dating someone and they don't spend time with their mom or their dad or their brothers or their sisters or their aunties and uncles, I mean, no, there's probably a problem. 
So, so we're looking at their life like the staff. I want somebody, because if he doesn't love his family, he's not going to love your family. Are they good with their money? Look, ladies, marry a man that is good with his money. Someone that saves, someone that ties. Come on. You want to make sure that your money is blessed. And it doesn't just happen when you get married. Like all of a sudden we're going to get married and all these things are going to be fixed. No, baby. We have to understand that the best indicator of where someone is headed is looking at where they've been. And if they're not doing it now, they're probably not going to do it later. So how do they manage their money? How do they manage their priorities? Here's another thing. Do they have goals? Do they have dreams? Is there any vision in their life? I mean, no, you don't want to be married to someone that has no vision for their life. So you're looking. These are some of the standards that we are looking for in our life. We, we don't want to date someone that has a bad track record. We want to make sure they have a good track record. Preparation for marriage is hard. And it's amazing to me how we just settle. We're like, oh, well, he's going to change. No, 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 no. I want someone that has been preparing for me their whole life, that I'm the treasure God's going to entrust them with, and they've been working to get ready for this treasure that God's about to deposit in their life. And so you're looking for that. Why? Because it matters. You think that, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, God loves them. I love them. Yes. But if you don't deal with that now, you're going to struggle with it later. They can't promise their way past preparation. Oh, I promise things that you. No, no, no. Past always trumps promises. And so we've got to make sure we're looking for someone that's prepared and ready for marriage. You've got to set a standard. Second thing is we need to define the boundaries. Look, when you're dating, uh, we need to define boundaries. So you found someone. Uh, maybe you hadn't found anyone, but you still got to have boundaries. And look, boundaries are not just for single people. I need all the married people to know you need boundaries too. You don't need to go tell some little lady and some young man all the marriage problems and your passions and your heart's desires and your dreams. If they're not your spouse, you need to close your mouth and share your passions and your dreams with your spouse. If you would work out your mess, you'd actually do it. So you got to have boundaries. you got to say, look, I'm not going to do everything with every person. Boundaries give us peace and order and safety and structure. And boundaries actually give us freedom, which some people say, well, what do you mean? Boundaries give freedom? Absolutely. They let you know where you can and where you can't go. Imagine driving a car uh, today on the way home from church and there were no lines in the road. Imagine some of you, if that was the case, I wouldn't even get on the road if you were driving. Come on. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like those lines keep us in the right place, going in the right direction. And, and think about if there were no shoulders to help you not fall into the ditch. I mean, think about what driving would look like. Think about if there was no median to keep us from the oncoming traffic. Driving would be dangerous. Driving would be hazardous to your health. It would be chaotic, to say the least. And I think some of you, that's what your dating looks like. you got no boundaries to keep you in the right path, going in the right way with the right people. And the problem is your dating is hazardous to your life, to your spiritual health. In fact, it's even dangerous. Why? Because you got no boundaries. You'll do anything with this person that they want to do. Wherever they want to go, whatever they want to do, you let them lead the relationship to determine how far you'll go and what you'll do. Dating's not safe when you don't have boundaries. 
It's dangerous. It's reckless. And so we've got to make sure that we've got predetermined boundaries so that we have peace, so that we know where we're going, and we stay safe in the context of the relationships that God wants us to establish. Here's some boundaries for dating, things that you ought to think about. We ought to always be honest with each other. I know that sounds simple, but how many know we're not going to lie? That's a boundary that's crossed. Let's be open and honest. If you lie when you're dating, you're going to lie when you're married. If you can't be honest now, you got to go to the root of why can't I be honest? Maybe they won't love me. Well, if they don't love you when you're honest, what do you think they're going to do when they find out you've been lying and the whole thing is a house of cards? We're not going to lie. We're going to be honest. We're going to treat each other with respect. I mean, no, that ought to be a boundary. We're going to raise our voice. We're going to do things that, that are not treating the other person with respect. Here's another boundary. We ought to never be alone together. Come on, somebody. I, I, I don't know about you, but the only time I ever got in trouble when I was dating was when I was alone with the person that I was dating. We ought to, we ought to date in groups. I got a mama right there. Pastor Zelda's like, KK and Cammie. Yes, ma'am. I heard you, Zelda. I got you. I got it. I got it. You got it? Camp. Groups. Just saying. That's right. Here's, here's something that I learned that kept me, you know, understanding the truth. Four on the floor at all times. Some of you youngins, you're like, four on the floor. Mm-hmm. Four on the floor at all times. That's just a good, safe boundary uh, that we, we ought to have. Uh, we need to talk about in our relationship acceptable, acceptable physical contact. Well, that's a little weird. Yeah, well, do you want to stay safe or do you want to cross places God's never intended for? So, so what do you mean, Pastor? Well, you ought to talk about holding hands. Like, are we going to hold hands? We're going to kiss. Well, y'all got quiet. <laughs> Phyllis, none of these apply to us. I'm just saying. We got other boundaries, but not these. I'm going to kiss, and, and you think that's a simple question. Here's the deal. Do we peck? A little bit of tongue? A little bit? Do we kiss for three or four seconds? Like, what's... I know it's weird. Like, Pastor, why are you talking about this? Because I want you to be safe and not reckless in your dating. Oh. So how long can we kiss extended? Like, like... Like, and, and this is a little bit of a weird conversation, but if you'll set the boundaries, then you both in the relationship know where you're going. So then here's another thing. When do we reevaluate? Because dating is intended really for courtship. So where do we do a checkup for us to decide if we're still moving down the path of marriage? Six months? Eight months? A year? Three months? Like, like these are all boundaries that you set within your own life and in your relationship so that together we're moving in the same direction. The challenge is, and, and let's just be honest, if you're married, you didn't have these kinds of conversations. And if you go back to your relationship, how many boundaries were crossed and how many lines were skewed and how many things did you do which you shouldn't have done because you didn't set up proper boundaries. I remember for Phyllis and I, uh, we, we had dated before when we were 15 and 16. I broke up with her. Come on, somebody. She said, I'm the only guy that ever broke up with her, so I'm proud of that fact. <laughs> just saying. Uh, broke up with her. Broke that heart. Uh, just, no, I'm just joking. I just, I didn't mean to break that heart. And so, 
I really did break up with her. It was because I felt like the Lord said he wanted me to date him and him alone. And so, but she didn't understand. She was, <laughs> she wouldn't talk to me for like six months. She's like, God said, what? He didn't tell me. And uh, <laughs> then finally we became friends. We stayed friends. We're 2021. 20, we, we didn't even date. We just went from a friendship to courtship. Uh, we just both knew, and it was a series of events, and we'd both been with other people. We'd crossed boundaries with other people, and so in this relationship, we really said, look, we want to have boundaries. Now, if we'd have talked about all of this in detail, we'd have done a whole lot better, because we did pretty good for the first, we engaged for seven months, which if you're going to get married, you need to make it a quick engagement. Come on, somebody. <laughs> like, all these two- and three-year engagements, that's just crazy, like, your boy could not have done that. So seven months, and I was, I didn't even do that so well. And so here we are, three, four months into it, and we have this bright idea. We're going to go to Houston. We're going to go see Granny. She, Granny, she'll be here in the second service. It's all her fault. So we go see Granny. We're 20, 21, so we're young adults, and we're going to stay the night at Granny's, which is fine because Granny's, you know, she, she's going to keep us straight. But what Granny didn't keep us straight with was we went into the hot tub, and that's awesome when you're married, but when you're trying to stay pure and you're dating, come on, somebody, like, it's, it's really difficult. And it was back on the back porch, and, 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 man, I'm just talking to Phyllis, and life's good, and Phyllis attacks me. Like, we had made a decision. Look, we're not going to kiss. And she's, like, kissing on my cheek, and I'm like, what are, what are you doing? She's like, oh, nothing, I just, just wanted to kiss you. And kissing that cheek. And then, and then all of a sudden we started kissing. And before we knew it, we had broke the boundary line of what we said. We, we didn't want to kiss till the day we got married. Well, guess what? That didn't happen. Because we got into, a hot, we, we didn't have boundaries. So we had a great idea, but we didn't actually set up the guardrails that would help us actually move forward in the boundary. And then just to be honest, for the next couple of months, it was really difficult for us to stay pure Till we got married. Why? Because we did not do what I'm telling you to do right now, which is set up pre-established boundaries. So when you say, Pastor has a little much tongue or not, no, no, it's a big deal. Like I would just do cheek and then back off, girl. Go. <laughs> Gotta go. Come on, somebody. Gotta have boundaries. Third things leads perfectly into the third one, which is exercise purity. I want to pause just a second. Now, now, I get what I'm about to say is probably archaic to some and a little bit out of touch to others. And I know it's not popular in culture. And as your pastor, I just have to tell you the truth. And look, I, I know that there are people here that don't agree with me. And, and I want you to do this. Just, just know that my heart for you is that I love you. And my heart for everyone is that I love them. But marriage and sex go together. You are not intended by God to have sex outside of marriage. Like, it's a covenant between a man and a woman. And, and I do have to say that the biblical context for marriage is between one man and one woman. And I know it could get a little quiet up in here, but as Christians, we have to defend the truth of the gospel. And so the context... And it's reserved just for marriage. Why? Because the intimacy that's expressed in a sexual act is for a husband and wife to draw us closer together. And so in a dating relationship, you have to say, look, we're going to exercise purity. We're going to set a standard, and we're not going to fall below that standard. We're not going to have sex before we get married. And some people say it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal. Purity is a big deal to God. 
And so there's only really two options in a relationship. We're going to stay pure and we're going to honor God or we're going to have sex and we're going to sin. And that's really it. Because even if you're messing around, you say, we didn't have the actual act. But if you're messing around, it's the same. It's immorality. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. That's anything. Look, you say, well, what's sexual immorality? Anything that stimulates you is what the Bible calls sexual immorality. And so here he says, look, all of the sins a man commits outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So I need you to know that God wants you to remain sexually pure. And that that's the standard that God has, even though, listen, it's not the standard of the world. The world say test drive. Why would I go and make a long-term purchase without test driving? Well, it's because you don't test drive intimacy. We court each other. We love each other. We serve God together. I don't need to test drive intimacy because we've been serving God together. We know where this lands. And if we'll do it right, God will honor us and honor this marriage. And listen, ladies, true love waits. And I know that you had this whole movement called True Love Waits. I need you to know true love does wait. I remember when Phyllis and I got engaged, I was like, baby, I'll, I don't want to. Why? Because I love you. When you love someone, you're not trying to demand your need being met. You want to meet their need. You want them to get to the place where they're where they need to be with God. I honor you. I love you. I want to cherish you like God cherishes you. And God wants you to stay pure till you're married. So I make a commitment to not have sex with you or to be sexually immoral until we get married. Why? Because true love waits. I love you. And if a man says he can't, well, then he ain't your man. You just need to let him go bye, bye, bye. Get on out. Go find just somebody else. God's got someone better for you. Man, what's up with all this music today, man? I'm just, bah, bah, just getting it. Uh. Who you date matters. It'll matter. The last thing is this, and, and we're getting ready to close this. You've got to have accountability. Make sure that you've got people in your life that can help you make good decisions, people who love you and want God's best for you. Uh, people that will ask you tough questions. Don't surround yourself with friends that don't ask you challenging questions. Uh, you really need to have someone in your life that's going to challenge uh, anything you say or do, making sure that you're headed towards the right path. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. So surround yourself with who? Surround yourself with your parents. Someone say, well, that's a little weird. Why is it weird? I want my kids to ask me, like, like, of all the people, think about this young, young person, teenager. Of all the people that are invested in you having a great marriage, don't you think your parents have invested their life in you? And sometimes what happens is a young person's like, well, you don't know what's best. No, no, they're trying to protect you. They're trying to keep you from making some of the same mistakes that they made. And they're trying to help you walk down a better path. They're not telling you no if they say no because they don't like you. They're mad at you. They're mean to you. They're doing it because they're trying to protect you. And if we would actually listen to the one that raised us, I bet we would keep ourselves from experiencing some of the pain that we've experienced. Find a mentor, a small group leader. Find a coach or a dream team or find someone that will speak into your life, give you advice. Listen, I wouldn't date anybody unless I asked, hey, what do you think about me dating this person? Like, don't even start the relationship off without asking, hey, do you think this is a good fit? Like, do you feel like this is the right person? I, I, here's another question to ask. Hey, do you think I'm ready for marriage? 
Because sometimes the challenge that we face is you think that person completes you. No, this ain't Jerry Maguire. That person don't complete you. Marriage doesn't complete you. Marriage exposes you. It exposes the deficiencies that you already had. And so you, you think, well, she's going to complete me. No, no, no. She, every last nerve that is not submitted to God, she will step all over it. Everything that is messed up in your life will be amplified through them. It's the most amazing and hard thing in the world is marriage because, listen, you say they're the problem. No, you're the problem. You're the one with issues. You're the one with struggles and challenges and problems that were never resolved. And we bring those problems into a relationship. That's the challenge, right? Because here, here we go. Hey, I just got marriage problems. Well, what's the problem? Well, when she does this and that. No, 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 no that, that, ain't, that ain't marriage problem. Marriage problems is, hey, where you don't put your toothbrush? That's the marriage problem. Marriage problem is, hey, which side do you like the toilet paper? You like it coming this way or you like it on top? Like, how you want the towels? That's, that's a marriage problem. Why? Because I got to learn how we'll live. You having the challenges and the issues, that's a single person problem that was never resolved that's been brought into the marriage. And now we say, I got marriage problems. No, 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 no. You just got problems. And so we think, maybe I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. No, no, no. Ask someone, hey, do you think I'm ready? They say no. Well, man, that's hard. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a lot harder if you get married and you're not ready than to wait just six more months and let God work on your heart so that you are ready. When you find the right person, you've already overcome the challenges that you've overcome so that this marriage reflects the glory of God. You know, finding the right person is not easy. Dating is not easy. And I, I know that some of you are divorced and you're looking to go back out there. I just want you to know the grace of God is, on your, is in your life. You can do it right. Maybe you messed up in the past, but you don't have to mess this one up. The grace and power of God. Look, young people, you can do it right. I know we live in a world where people don't do it right, but you can do it right. And even marriages and, and, and married people. Listen, throughout this series, I'm going to teach us and train us and help us and, and recognizing, look, we're not perfect. We're just pursuing the one who is. I'm not looking for a perfect marriage. I'm looking for a healthy marriage. And that's what I love about our marriage conference. It's coming up in three weeks. you got to get registered. Go to Facebook. There's only 125 spots. And so I know it's going to sell out just like that. And, uh, but if you're, you, we're going to focus. we got five sessions. We're going to just talk about building healthy marriages, how to communicate. How many know we need to communicate, how to fight? How many know you're going to fight in a marriage? Let's just fight fair. Let's just build marriages that the world looks at and says, wow. Man, if I could have a marriage like that. I don't want to have the same stats in our church as the world does. 51% walking away in divorce. God, could we break that stat in this church? God, could we build healthy marriages? Could we build healthy families? Relationships are God's idea. And he'll help us if we'll submit them to him. we got to have a clear vision. I'm going to end with this verse and passage. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there's no vision, the people perish cast off restraint. Single people, I need you to get a vision for what your dating life is going to look like. Get a vision for where you think God's going to take you and who you're looking for and the boundaries you're going to have. And, and, and just begin to set that vision up right now so that you don't cast off restraint when Sister Wonderful and Brother Awesome show up. Make you feel good, but they don't meet the criteria. All of our married couples, get a vision for our marriages. What does God want our marriage to look like? I want to pray over us this morning and hopefully something has touched your heart and next week bring a friend it's going to be great we're going to continue with week two and 
continue to develop all in July relationships and submitting them to God, letting Him do what He wants to do. Father, we thank You for this morning. God, I, I thank You for the relationships that we have in our life. God, I thank You for all the single people. That God, You give them grace. I know in the world we live in, there's not a lot of purity and holiness and separation, but God, would You help us to apply some of these truths that we would develop our lives and the relationship you entrust us with, God, that it would be glorifying to you. And God, I pray for every single person that has a deep longing for a spouse, that God, you would meet that need, that it would be all about you, and at the right time with the right person, that door would open up. God, I pray for the marriages, some sitting here today that feel like they're on the verge of divorce. They haven't communicated in weeks, maybe months, and feel like their life is falling apart. God, I thank you for your grace, your strength. God, some of us, God, have put people in front of you, and we've got to recognize that that's idolatry, that, God, you're the one that's supposed to be first and primary. Everything else comes secondary. God, we thank you for your grace and your strength and your power. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. In fact, some of you are here this morning, and I talked about putting people in the place of God, that how that's idolatry. The truth is, in your life, you don't have a relationship with God. You've never surrendered your life to Him fully. You've never made Him the Lord and Savior of your life. I want to invite you right now to make that a reality. You say, well, what do you do, Pastor? I'm just going to lead you in a prayer of surrender. That in this moment, you fully surrender your life to Him. The Bible says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says. So what are you going to do, Pastor? We're just going to confess Him as Lord. We're going to ask Him right now to be the Savior of our life, that in this moment, we would never be the same, that we move people out of place, we put things out of the place, and we put God in His proper place, in first place in our life. Heads bowed and eyes are closed. If that's you, you're ready to pray the prayer of surrender with me. What if you just be bold enough just to raise your hand as an act of surrender? Just right now, Pastor, I want to pray that prayer with you. Just, just raise your hand right Yes, yes. Just come on right now. Just raise it up. Raise it up. We'll pray in just a second. Yes. Come on. Church, tell them how proud you are of them. We're going to pray this together. Pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of all of my sins. Forgive me. Wash my heart, my spirit, my soul. Make me brand new. Right now, I confess you're my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, worship God this morning.